If you could take a, a magic telescope and turn around and look at your past, it would be pretty amazing what you would see. In terms of your own personal lives, it might be, well, who knows? In terms of our family history, there might be great learnings and insights. And in terms of our church, it would probably be very rich indeed. So let me put a plug in for our docent tours. If you haven't been on one yet, I highly recommend it because you will discover and learn some of that wonderful, rich history that is part of the neighborhood church. So uh, I commend it to you. It's good to remember our past. As Christians, we pay attention to our past, our, our traditions and our history. Ours is a story. And it's a story that includes heroes and heroines. So let me put another pitch in for Davida Foy Crabtree's upcoming class, which is going to be entitled The Unsung Heroes That I've Known. And it'll be happening on uh, three Saturdays coming up in June. So I highly commend that class to you if you can, if you can join DeVita for that. That'll be happening in person here at the church. There's a note about it in your programs. All right, no more plugs. <laughs> Some of our heroes and heroines in the faith include Abraham and Sarah, Moses and Rahab, Peter and Mary. And then in the times of the early settlers of this land, Jonathan Edwards, and then later Harriet Tubman. We cannot live as we are called to live if we ignore or deny or hate our past. But the Christian faith loves its past because it anticipates a future. The future belongs to faith also. The great affirmation of existence, which we proclaim and call resurrection, is what pulls us into an ultimate future. We are pulled there as well by this crazy world around us. Science fiction affirms the future. Space travel affirms the future and the discovery of new frontiers, much as the Wild West once did for the early settlers. So the past and the future are, are integral parts of the mysterious constellation of our lives. We have been warned of the danger of living too much in the past. When our ancestors are more important than our offspring, beware. Beware. This morning, however, will you consider the possibility that it may be equally dangerous to live too much in the future. The teaching of Scripture and faith is clear. We are to be prepared for the future. The person who plans to build a tower is cautioned to sit down, to sit down and anticipate the cost, lest he or she not be able to finish it. Luke 14:28. And then in Matthew 25:1 is the story of the bridal attendants who miss out on the wedding reception because they are not prepared. They didn't have enough oil in their lamps. Christian faith, as well as common sense, compels us 
to give proper attention to the future. Nevertheless, there is a kind of future watching which is doing dreadful things to us in the present. It's a kind which focuses so exclusively on the future that it provokes intense anxiety. It contaminates and distorts and spoils the present moment. It is what we are calling today the telescopic view of the future. And it works against our obedience to Jesus. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, he said. It would be like bringing the future, zooming into the, fu- into the present, like a, like a telescope. Brings, brings an eagle that's off in the distance, right up as though you're right there with this eagle. You've maybe had that experience if you've looked at binoculars or a telescope. The dictionary says that a telescope is an instrument for making distant objects, as the stars, the moon, appear nearer and consequently larger. Precisely when we view the future telescopically, we make it appear, not actually be, but appear nearer and larger than it is. So it's little wonder anxiety can mount. Exclusive concentration on the future, looking at it through a telescope, distorts life, past, present, and future in many ways. If you all are running true to form today, you will think of other things one could say about the experience of using a telescope as it relates to viewing the future. I only hope your more sophisticated knowledge will not blind you to the truth that exclusive concentration on the future can seriously endanger our Christian faith. Look at its effects now in two areas in which we live our lives. First of all, consider the area of our lives where we live together in Christ's church as Christian people, in prayer and and praise and, and Christian discourse and mutuality, even in the midst of our diversity. The mass shootings of recent times have brought us all short caught us in a way that shatters us but really doesn't surprise us because it happens so often. Nonetheless, our hearts are broken and we grieve and we feel with enormous pain the pain of those families in Texas and Buffalo most recently. But anxiety isn't limited to those excruciating tragedies. We focus on the future so much to protect ourselves that we lose the ability sometimes to live fully in the moment. That happens in churches. You know, with the the shooting in a church right here in Southern California. So churches get locked up. They, They close in wanting to secure the future so much. And who can blame them? And churches worry about membership. 
declining membership, which is happening across most churches. Or not being able to make budget, and so goals are set and all kinds of objectives are set to try to do that because we want to secure the future. We have to deal with this sense of anxiety. It's real, but it doesn't have to be the final word. So I'd also like to encourage us to take, take a second, maybe deeper look, not just at church life, but at our own lives and how the future can take over that as well. The future can loom so large that like, like a telescope brings something and makes it look so large. It makes it scary. But might peripheral vision be obscured when we're looking through that telescope? The context can be ignored. Equilibrium endangered. And the present moment of relationship with God in Christ can be devalued. Right now, just centering in the presence of God in Christ right now. The church is not an organization, first of all, that is to do something, but the church, when we think about our life together, the church is actually called to be something. Karl Barth took the radical stance of disavowing the view of the work of the church. He disavowed the idea that the church is to simply improve society. That may shake some people, but he saw its existence rather as centering in the presence of God. It's doing, and therefore going into all the world, obeying the Great Commission, is a consequence of its being, of bringing into the here and now a different kind of life, a different quality of life. John's Gospel calls it eternal life, which begins now, not something off in the big late to come pie in the sky thing, but eternal life can start now. Here's how John said it in chapter 17, verse 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. To know that now is the beginning of eternal life. It is becoming clearer and clearer to me that in our life together in the church, we must check our telescopic vision not to make our achievement of goals or, or fear of the future more important than openness to the presence of God's Spirit. So take with me now this other step to the more intimate side of our personal lives. We've seen the danger of the telescopic view of the future in the church, but it can also affect us in our personal lives. Reinhold Niebuhr is, is chiefly known for his comprehensive and profound theological dissertations, but before he was a professor, he was a pastor in Detroit back during the Depression, you know, a century ago practically. And it was there that he learned the importance of caring for people, especially people going through grief. And he dealt with people who had lost loved ones, and especially parents who had lost children. And in ministering to those, he realized that children, children are what they will become, but they are also what they are in the moment. And so he could write, 
in his book, The Signs of the Time, no one can deny the tragic character of a life cut off before its fruition. And boy, do we know that. Yet there are parents who are able to thank God even in the midst of their sorrow for the joy they've had with their child while they had him or her. Such a peace within sorrow is the fruit of faith which understands the completeness of life within each moment. The completeness of life within each moment. You know, we're all going to lose our moments at some point. Our lives will end. Our moments will cease. But in the meantime, while we have our life, to live the completion of life in each moment. So here's the warm Christian counsel not to allow the anticipation of the future to destroy the joy and possibilities of the present moment. Don't borrow trouble is one way of putting it. Find a completion of life in each moment is how Niebuhr put it. But we find that easier said than done, especially when life is full of pain, of hazard and danger, and yes, death. Fear has many eyes and yet trembles at what it does not see, wrote C.H. Spurgeon. We look through the telescope of apprehension, breathe on the glass, and think we see clouds when it is indeed simply our anxious breath. The heroes and heroines of faith among us are those with a terminal illness who still make each day a thing of beauty. You've known them. You've known them. They are the people whose spouses have died and instead of holding up and giving up, they give of themselves through compassion and service to others who are going through difficult times. They are the parents who survive the tragedy of Columbine and show up in Uvalde to care for those families who've lost their babies. Not because they have magic answers or easy things to say, but because they've been there and they're willing to walk alongside those who are going through it now. That's presence. You know, I was, I was thinking of times when I've been scared in my life and fearful. And my mind went back to uh, when I was a kid and going to the county fair and they would have these spook houses set up. And I hated those things, but I tagged along with my older brother and, and uh, we'd go through those swinging doors and into this dark pathway where things would jump out and scare us and all those kind of spooky things. And I remember the way I, I, I figured out a way to, to get through it. I basically closed my eyes, put my head down just enough to see where my feet were going. So I didn't have to see all those scary, fearful things. And then I'd make it out to the other end and open my eyes. I, I suspect my parents' money was not very well spent. But I wonder if God 
doesn't wonder the same thing on the money. I mean the resources God invests in us. When we go through life with eyes pretty well shut, so focused are we on the future, on getting out on the other side, that we don't go through what we have to go through in this life with its struggles and difficulties. I've seen students, I've seen my own kids go through this with their college education. They get so focused on getting the degree, getting through college, that they, they miss out on certain things because of that future goal. Some don't register to vote. Some don't get involved in churches. They do not always see their teachers or even their fellow students as persons and ends in themselves, but only as some means to a future goal. And that's not true just in school. That's true in other parts of life as well. I think about parenting. In my own life, when I was young and and going through all this, how frequently it could describe the hectic years of parenting, family life with all the tensions of first preschoolers and then grade schoolers, middle schoolers, high school students, tight budgets, tight careers, all the pressures, no time to hold one another for a precious moment of completion or giving time to stop for a quiet conversation because we're so getting on to what's coming next. So focused on some future that we are paralyzed from completion of life within each moment. I see a number of people moving through that part of life which comes last, old age, with their eyes shut as though old age were some sort of spook house. Contemporary society gives tolerant approval to many persons who close their eyes through the last years of life instead of discovering it as a time with meaning and beauty all on its own. Not judging anybody. We all have to look at our own lives. But against all this anxiety about the future, which can constrict and distort the present in the church community and in our personal lives, stands the admonition of Jesus that we need to hear, I need to hear, I don't know about you, I need to hear it regularly. Do not, just don't, don't be anxious about tomorrow. How, Lord, how? In this crazy, confusing, destructive, harmful world of ours, how? How? Perhaps it's here that we confront the worst threat from the telescopic view of life when we take a telescopic view of God. And seeing and thinking of God only as the God of the universe out there perhaps to be encountered someday directly in the future if to be experienced today only through a telescopic distortion. Whereas Jesus has already come, declaring that God is already with us in our present, waiting to be the divine companion in its completion. 
waiting to be the divine companion now in its completion. Friends, as we think about and envision the future, thinking about the kind of church we want to be and and thinking about the kind of people that we are and want to be in community and faith. And once we have a clear sense of whose and who we are as God's children, created in God's image, as human beings, human beings, then we will discover our call for human doings. So I'd like to close with these words of H.S. Forsman. For not in far-off realms of space the Spirit has its throne. In every heart it finds a place and waits there to be known. May it be so for us. Not down the road. Right now. Right here. Today.